Today's episode of Anything is Potable is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with- 10 million and one now. Ooh, good point. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to Robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. If you want more information, would be even better. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. But they are a fantastic app where you could potentially make money. Speaking of making money, we're ballers, we're shot callers, we're other people. We are Anything is Potable, the Boston Celtics podcast here on The Athletic. I am Sam Jam Packard, professional Boston Celtics fan, and I'm joined by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Jay King, beat reporter for The Athletic. How are you doing today, Jay? I am honestly stunned because you're always loud. This is the loudest you have ever been. <laughs> we are sitting in the living room of my apartment. And Packard is screaming in my face. I got jacked up. I'm a, I'm a primetime player, baby. Pumped and jacked up. I'm Kevin ready O'Connor to go. style. KOC's pumped and jacked, too. He's always pumped and jacked. Like, it, like, the feeling I'm feeling right now is right when KOC hit send on a Ben Simmons tweet. It's just, like, pure electricity. Pure electricity. Just like the Celtics against the Wizards. <laughs> oh, my God. That was an awful game. That's what we're going to be talking about uh, on this podcast. It's been... Three days, three games in 2020 since we last had our uh, our public pod. This is the free podcast. Please uh, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you get podcasts. Rate us five stars. Uh, this is the free one. Jay already recorded a, a recap with uh, Fred Katz. So if you want to listen to that game-specific pod, you can do so by subscribing to The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash anything is potable. You can read all of Jay's works there and get all of our uh, bonus pods as there is too. But three games in 2020. Kemba Walker's been sick for all three of them. My big question for you, Jay, and you know I love questions. Has this been a good three games for the Celtics or a bad three games for the Celtics? Because I got arguments uh, for why it could be good. Bad three games for the Celtics. They did not play well, really, in any of the games. They fell behind by double digits in all of the games. They lost to the Wizards and had their second-best offensive rating of the entire season Against one of the worst defenses in NBA history. Their second worst offensive rating? Yes, the Celtics' second worst offensive rating of the season. Came against the Wizards, who stink at defense. They... Okay, look, look. Kemba Walker has been so important to their offense this year. And I think we can overlook that because of all the stats that other guys are getting. The 20 points that Jason Tatum's scoring, and Jalen Brown scoring, and Gordon Hayward scoring... The splits are insane. Right now, the Celtics are averaging 117.2 points per 100 possessions with Kemba Walker on the court. 100.8 points per 100 possessions without him, which is 
a few points worse than the very worst offense in the league. And now obviously That's not great. Obviously every team is going to have a steep drop off without their best offensive player, but in the Celtics case, their offense has belly flopped when Walker's not in the game. And I think we've seen that in each of the last 3 games. They just haven't been the same without that creativity he gives them and without the extra level of life that he gives them. It just makes things hard, so much harder on everybody else. All of a sudden, you see Marcus Smart forcing things, and it's tougher for other guys to get going. Kemba Walker is needed, and you know they don't have a ton of shooting beyond their main guys. So when one of those guys is missing, it just puts a lot of stress on the others to knock shots down or else, you know, they can be susceptible to bad nights like they had against Washington. And I think this has really shown the value that Kemba Walker does have. I mean, we you talked about other guys putting up stats. Kemba seems to, like, very quietly be able to put up 25 each night. Um, he puts a lot of pressure on the defense. He's clearly the best playmaker and ball handler. I do, like, think Marcus Smart deserves some credit for his ability in the pick and roll. But just in terms of... Like, he had some moments with Cantor that were really impressive the last few games. Smart's very good in the pick and roll, but like running an offense is a lot more than just doing that. And Marcus always has some questionable uh, decisions. How big a problem do you think it is that his shooting has dipped? This How is, concerned are you, I guess, by the dippage of his shooting to the point where it's in the trouble zone again? Yeah, and uh, I saw you tweet that. I saw someone chirp at you that like he just went blind, but his shooting was dipping before then. It's, I don't know if it's a huge concern. It was Coley. Shout out to Coley. Oh, shout out to Coley, the great Coley Mick. Um, I don't know if it's a great concern because that's like kind of what Marcus Smart's always been. I think like he plays all NBA level defense and him shooting 35% from three like he was to start the season made him like the best he's ever been. So it's a concern if Kemba Walker's not there. And like clearly I think they need a better guys to be able to run the offense in his absence. Like, Brad Wanamaker has not looked great. Um, Tremont Waters has looked pretty good, but also not great at some of those. I think we can talk about him more later. The reason I think there's, like, somewhat reason to be optimistic is to, like, they have looked very bad in the first quarter to start uh, all three of these games. Fell down big, especially against the Hawks and the Bulls. And... There has they they do deserve some credit for like pulling things together and like figuring out a way to score, getting enough stops to pull out wins. Like Brad Stevens, it's a cliche at this point, but it's it's hard to win in the NBA. And for how bad their offensive looks, like the Hawks are a talented team. They're not the best defensive team, but they were really like they Celtics didn't have an answer for John Collins to start that game. They've gotten worked by the Bulls before, especially in Chicago, and like been unable to stop Zach Levine. I think there's like to go. Obviously, you'd want to win all three games, but without Kemba to go two and three in this stretch and be able two to... Two and one. That's a good point. I was thinking three games, but you're right. Uh, that's a good catch by you, Jay. But to go two and one in that stretch like and figure out ways to win, I think, is important. Yeah. I'm going to bring it back to the Marcus Smart conversation for a second. And here's why I think that's an important stat for the Celtics. Beyond the obvious that he takes... Six-ish threes a game because they have no shooting and anyone who plays yeah, that many minutes, they, they just they need their main guys to shoot because Grant Williams he's made more lately, but he's not certainly a high volume guy. Brad Wanamaker he's reluctant to shoot, doesn't shoot much. He's usually pretty efficient when he does, but hasn't made a lot lately, and he's never going to be a high volume guy. Shimmy Ojale 
is shooting 37% from the three-point arc, but he rarely shoots. Like Does, all, does Brad hate Shemi Ojale? <laughs> I don't think he hates Shemi Ojale at all. They love Shemi Ojale. <laughs> they love him so much they love talking about him, but they hate putting him in the game. Well, he's, he's limited. He's a limited guy. And all their bench players are limited. And so when you only have five guys who can shoot threes, when one of them is shooting 31% on six attempts per game, that's a big deal. Because there aren't guys on the bench to pick them up. And that that's one of the reasons why I wonder if they need to target shooting at the deadline. Because they just need some complimentary shooting. And obviously smart making more would help. Jalen Brown against Washington had like his most inefficient game of the season. That won't last. He's been super efficient all year. But smart, like if you lose one of those guys, they're shooting... It's more important this year because there aren't eight or nine three-point shooters. There are only five of them on this team. That's it. They don't have anyone else. And they don't even have anyone who maybe could be. Like I mean, Car- Unless Carson Edwards, you count him, he hasn't shown much at all all season. There's like realistically nobody who has a better than like a few percent chance of becoming, of giving them perimeter shooting help. It's just not there. So who do, who's the target, I guess? Because Weird Celtics Twitter loves David, Davis Bertens. Sorry, Dave Dufour. I almost called him David again. Davis Bertens, uh, who was actually uh, on the Wizards but did not play. Like, you would have to package um, Vinny Sex Pants semi and probably a pick to have the salaries working. For, is that worth it to get just a guy, who, a, a solid three-point bench guy? I, I, I don't know if you need to get someone who's that knocked down or who will be worth that much. But if you're really like making a move for this year, he's a restricted free agent. Wouldn't you rather go and like spend the the first round draft pick? That will probably like they have so many young guys. Like I feel like the first round draft pick is less valuable to them. They would never say that. They think like it's always an opportunity, a crack to get like more talent. But like how many new young guys can you bring here? Especially because you have the Bucks pick. Uh, why not go for like the kind of the top end three point shooting? Like a like if Kyle Korver was like four years younger, that'd be the ideal person, like someone who's just like that good. Yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, you get a guy who can splash threes and hold up defensively. Obviously, those guys are rare. Those guys are wanted. They're valuable. People, will all, other teams also need shooting in the NBA. Yeah. So I mean, I, I don't know what the the answer is. I just know that the Celtics lack shooting. They're somewhere in the middle of the pack in three pointers made this year. And that's with Kemba Walker shooting 40% from three. And that's with Jalen Brown shooting 40% from three. Do you think it's as big an issue if everyone is healthy? Because they, they really have not been healthy. That's true. Like, you talk about the five guys who can shoot. They've only played, what, like five games together, if that? And so, clearly, when the guy who's shooting 40% and has, like, a pretty high usage rate is out, the shooting's going to look worse. But if everyone's there healthy, the fact that Marcus Smart's your like fifth best three-point shooter seems like less of an issue. Yeah, and and that that's a totally fair point. I'm not sure exactly how much better the Celtics will look when they have all those guys. And like Brad Stevens says, he wants to play three of his best players all the time. And if you have three guys who are capable shooters, including two who are pretty knocked down, whoever it would be, whether it would be Hayward, Walker, Brown, Tatum... Certainly not putting Smart in that category. Um, and those guys, they're not really knocked down, but they're very capable shooters. They can go off. 
Um, if you have three of those guys on the court at the same time, it's less of an issue. If, then your bench is limited to like Smart, maybe Wanamaker, maybe Grant Williams, maybe Ennis Cantor or Robert Williams. Then it's less of an issue. But at the same time, like injuries happen and foul trouble happens. And I just feel like they need a little more shooting deep down their roster. Just a spot up guy. Like, not anybody who needs to come in and and set the world on fire, but a spot-up guy who helps give space and can punish, say, the Wizards for playing a stupid, dinky... A 3-2 zone, 2-3... Like, I don't understand how they just don't have an answer for that. But I think it, like, it just... They were able to survive Hayward um, messing up his hands. They were able to survive Marcus Smart losing eight pounds in his weird sickness and having his eyes uh, be very diseased. Jalen Brown's missed some times, but I think it like kind of highlights the importance of Kemba Walker. One is just like a volume scorer, and two as that ball handler. I thought it was interesting with Walker out that Tremont Waters got some time. Um, Washington was clearly his best game. He ser- clearly has. Uh, he's very quick. He has quick hands. He pl- makes defensive plays. He's small. Watching him play against Isaiah Thomas was just good old fashioned fun. Uh, he created some sort of spark and like change of energy. Uh, took a ridiculously deep three, um, but I've seen him make like a lot of that like those warming up. What do you like think of his prospects as a guy to kind of make of an impact? And do you think he can be the shooter that the Celtics are so desperately looking for? Tremont. Tremont. Like Waters. The shooter they're so desperately looking. He can knock down threes, but he's not a shooter. Like. He's not going to be. He's not going to stand in the corner. No, if he's on the court, you're probably going to want to put the ball in his hands. You're going to want to put the ball in his hands. To me, he's a potential answer for one day backup point guard, and I'm intrigued by him. I think he's shown enough during the chances that he's gotten that he's going to make plays and he can get by guys and he can get into the paint and he can run an offense competently. And you you could could just see when. The Celtics didn't have Kemba Walker. They just missed that extra burst that yeah. he has and the ability to break down the defense. And and Waters obviously isn't Kemba, but he gives you a little dash of that. And I was talking about this on the podcast with Fred Katz. It, it, the man is great at moving his hips. Tremont? Yeah. Fluid hips? <laughs> Fluid. Like, <laughs> he has hip fakes that are impressive. He turns his hips one way and goes the other, and I enjoy that. Like there's there's some flair to his game. There's a little bit of bravado there. <laughs> that and he sometimes gets ambitious with passes. He had a couple bad turnovers against Washington, even when he was playing really well. But he does make plays, and I'm definitely intrigued by what he brings. I think, you know, if if there's one thing beyond shooting, missing from that second unit. It's that little burst. Like, Marcus Smart is certainly a capable ball handler, and they're going to play Jason Tatum and Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown with those units, and they can run the show a little bit to different extents. But, like, having a point guard who can break you down and set up the offense and make things a little easier for everybody else just just is a different feel. And, and Tremont... He has a chance to do that. I'm. I want to see what happens with his career. I'm intrigued. I'm curious. I'm quite intrigued. The thing I like about him too is just, in talking to him. He's just like a very nice and fun-loving guy. But he's very confident. 
like I was just asking him about like the difficulties of like going from the G League to the NBA, and he's just like, I know my time's ready. I'm gonna be there. I talked to some uh, guys who like worked him out pre-draft, and I just talked about his like his like Hall of Fame work ethic. It's it's just I'm very excited for where his career can go because uh, he just seems like a good dude. So I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast. When the Celtics official heights came out, he I talked to a bunch of guys about the heights. Basically, everybody lost an inch or two. I think Tatum was the only one who stayed the same. Because he's still growing. Because he's actually grown <laughs> since he got to the NBA. But I went to Tremont, and I was just, like, joking around. I think he was measured at six feet. Which is a lie. And I asked him, I was like, were you nervous you were going under? He's like, no. <laughs> Didn't care. Like, I, I was just joking around. I, I thought it'd be a lighthearted response. No. No, he is... Uh, Supremely confident. Confident, and I would say, like, like a lot of the shorter guys in the NBA, you've got to have a chip on your shoulder. You've got to take everybody saying you're small as motivation and fuel. And I could feel that when I when I asked him <laughs> if he was worried he was gonna gonna lose lose more than than an inch or whatever he lost. And he he just kind of told me no. And I didn't know where to go from there. And I just kind of <laughs> conversation stumbled, over. stumbled a little bit and, and left. And I think Max Struess was sitting next to him enjoying the awkwardness of the conversation. So that was great. But Shouts to Max Struess. Where's he today? Poor guy got, I think he tore, he tore something in season uh, injury. That's too bad. Um, yeah. So how important... <laughs> took, a, took a dark turn. No, yeah, sorry for... Shouts to Max Struess. Sorry. What's the news latest on Kemba? Is there any kind of not like update on his health? Do we expect him to play against the Spurs? And I think more importantly, bigger game, especially in terms of standings. Uh, Celtics have already lost twice to the 76ers. Uh, what's the latest on Kemba, Mr. Beat Reporter? We'll see. He's Thanks for that info. He's been sick. <laughs> if he feels better, I assume he'll play. Oh. If, if he does not, we could see more Kemba sitting. I mean, it's already extended a while. I think his return will probably come very soon. I hope Joel Embiid is ready to play in that Sixers game. His that was, the, was one of the grossest things I've seen in a long just time. Just mangled. I people were tweeting about his finger, and so I went and looked up the photo of it. Don't do that. If you haven't looked at it, don't because it's disgusting. I almost puked. <laughs> it was just I couldn't believe he went back in the game. It's absolutely wild to like see that photo and then be like, oh yeah, they just taped it up and he was back. Yeah, yeah. So I I had already knew I'd already known that he got back into the game when I went searching for the photo because I wanted to see what happened. And then it, it ruined my night. It really <laughs> for, did. for the visual people. Jay King's just like shaking in fear over here, just shaking his head. No, no, like a nightmare. It, it was it was disgusting. But I hope he plays against the Celtics. It'll give another data point. A, on whether the Celtics have enough size, have enough to, I guess, uh, enough to overcome their lack of size against him. How important do you think the game is on Thursday? Just in terms of standings, in terms of measuring up against Embiid, in terms of getting that like data point, like two, three, like the second seed is going to be very important because you're going to avoid one of the top teams in the East in that first round. Right now, the Celtics have. What are they? Two and one against the Raptors. They've lost lost to the Pacers. They beat the Heat, 
but they're 0-2 against the Sixers. And so all of these like kind of head-to-head matchups matter a lot. How important is the game to kind of, one, just for standings-wise, and two, just to, to figure out where they are because there's, what, another month, maybe five weeks before the trade deadline? How important is the game on Thursday night? Yeah, I mean, whatever happens Thursday night doesn't change that it will still be very tough salary-wise for the Celtics to go out and get a quality big man without tearing into their core. What it does give, I think, you know, if you think back to opening night, they did a good job on Embiid. And obviously they lost the game, but I thought Cantor did a good job on Embiid. I thought he had moments in the second game against Embiid where he was pretty good. I think he'll probably start again Thursday, assuming Embiid starts. And I think... You know, it, it'll just give the Celtics another chance to see whether Embiid will just flick them away. And I, I think that's that's a real concern is that the, the Sixers, not just with Embiid, but with everybody else, are just so big and so powerful. And, you know, it, it's a very tough matchup for Daniel Tice, who's been really good in most cases this season, and whose quickness and versatility and shot blocking have all been assets this year. But, you know, you, you've got to see how you can hold up against Embiid. And it, it's it's unwise to put too much importance on any regular season game. But just because of the way the Celtics are built, anytime they get beat up by size, you're going to wonder, like, is is it are they just too short? Yeah. Where, where where it matters are they and not just short but like thin like Daniel Tice just isn't a strong guy he's not a bulky guy their three wings are long and athletic but they're not like super physical imposing threats and so yeah I I love the stylistic contrast between those two teams it, it really it it's it's an exciting, entertaining matchup because of the Celtics just want to be fast and speedy, and the Sixers are just enormous. Yeah, and Kemba's return is very important because the the Celtics struggle to score against the Sixers with Kemba, uh, and you you had all the stats about what the offense is like without him. They they basically have no chance. It feels like stylistically their counter is to basically play their five like just play. I don't know. Now, now that I'm thinking about it, it's saying to play small against Embiid, like you just can't put Tatum or Hayward on Embiid. Uh, but like, is that the counter? Is it just to go small and play super fast and just like hopefully hit more threes well, than Embiid? The problem with the Sixers is they're fast and long too. Like it's not like they're totally immobile guys. Like and and that's why they pose so many issues. Is they're not like just sitting there. Like Ben Simmons is six ten. He flies. Like, he's a super fast, super physical dude. And, you know, Josh Richardson, he's a 6'6 athletic point guard. Like, they just have a lot of dudes who can run, too. So, that's the problem for the Celtics. Like, if they can outrun you, cool. If their wings are longer than you, cool. If they're just more skilled than you, cool. But the Sixers can kind of combat a lot of that while being enormous. This is true. Uh, before we get to Grant Williams, Settlers of Catan table, do you have any other observations, basketball or otherwise, about the week that was in the Boston Celtics? Uh, Javante Green 
had another cool dunk. He just continues to do cool dunks, and it's awesome. And every single time, it's just like, whoa, that was cool. The Romeo Langford response to Javante Green's cool dunk was pretty cool, too. I missed that. What did he do? He just kind of looked on and, <laughs> and had this like blank stare on his like face. Glassy-eyed it was, look. It in was his just face. kind of shaking his head. <laughs> and it, it was. It was just how, like, no lie, Javante Green could dunk a million times in a row. The a million and first million, yeah, would still be the next one. Badass <laughs> would still have me like my eyes bulging out of my head, be like, how does he do it? How does he? Jump so powerfully and so, it's just it's majestic. He's a majestic leaper. He, that's the best way to put it. That's why you're the writer and I'm the talker. That's fantastic word usage. The only other thing I have, or I have two things. Why is Grant Williams so good at jumping straight up? He's elite at it. Uh, Agree or disagree? I, best on the team. He can jump straight up better than better than the rest. Tice bringing his arms down constantly, getting called for fouls. Terrible whistle against Tice, but Grant. Very good at jumping straight up. Yeah, I assume it's something he practices. And it's just a hard thing. Like, It's just your reaction to just bring your arms down and try to block a shot or try to alter a shot, especially when a guy is like, jumping into your chest. So to, to stay straight up, it's, it's mental, mental resilience. Grant's a mentally resilient he's got man of verticality. He's got a oh, damn, the word Smith strikes again. Uh, the other thing we've got to talk about, Ish Smith... Um, legend. This absolute legend kills the Celtics. They, like Someone looked up the stats. Just like all of his high scoring averages. Like He just always kills the Celtics. He was in the zone. Um, you just got to respect him at that point. It's just like... There's some players who kill the Celtics. Uh, for, re- for some reason, the first guy who came to mind is Tony Snell. But maybe I just dislike Tony Snell. I don't really remember him killing the Celtics. Ish Smith consistently kills the Celtics. But, you know, I just... I respect a little guy who can just dominate like that. Yeah, and I thought the Celtics had some moments where they just kind of let him do his thing. Well, here's the thing. They but, they just haunted Cantor and put, like, Ish Smith on Cantor. Just to, it's not Cantor's fault. There's nothing Cantor can do about it. But he, like, that happened for three or four possessions, and then he had eight points, and he was in the zone. Yeah, and he got, he got, somehow Cantor got switched onto him and just got burned. Like, you... You have to avoid Cantor switches onto super fast dudes, however possible. And the Celtics didn't do that enough. And it was another more evidence like Cantor's good in most situations. They can hold up with him in most situations. But there are just certain circumstances when he's just totally overmatched. And so, like most of the time, Cantor's been really good for them. He's been a double double machine, he's playing really well. But then you see those few possessions where he gets caught out in space, and it's like, oh, yeah. Ah, yeah, those, there's the cancer everyone's talking those about. Those are the limitations that have kind of held him back throughout the years. And like like I said, like that, that's not a regular season issue. Most of the time, he'll be totally fine. But it could be a playoff issue, and the Celtics have to keep that in mind. All right, we got to talk about, I just remembered, the last 30 seconds of the Hawks game. Daniel Tice, game-saving block, knowing that Trey Young was going to pull up for three, just like Danny Two Blocks comes through. That's like well, not even the craziest thing that happened because then Marcus Smart gets the ball, and I don't know what happened. If you take Marcus Smart's version of events, which um, I don't think to be true, uh, Trey Young <laughs> reached out and tried to trip him, and he had nowhere else to go. From my vantage point, it looked like Marcus... Uh, 
yearned for contact uh, and then basically stepped over Trey Young and then got uh, confused when Alex Len went to defend his guy. But uh, absolutely just fun in the locker room after the game where it, it was pretty much just Marcus, I think, lying through his teeth. Uh, and it, I just, I was laughing. I thought it was great. It's just like classic Marcus, like, yeah, man, I was just playing intense basketball. There's nothing I could do. And then you go back and look at the replays. Like, there's 17 other places you could have stepped. Yeah, but sometimes you just got to sometimes you got to step on a guy. <laughs> and here's here's what made his explanation of it less believable. And I'm not gonna sit here like you did and call Marcus Smart a liar. I don't think I specifically said that, but that's what I was implying directly. I, I will say this: they were going back and forth throughout the entire game. Trey Young hit Marcus Smart with an elbow at one point, which infuriated Marcus Smart. Well, because Marcus Smart also got called for the foul while taking an elbow to the face, which is a a big transgression. But it seemed like they were chirping at each other, and it was a challenge. Smart seemed to take personally against a guy who's leading the All-Star votes for guards in the Eastern Conference right now. How the hell did that happen? Short. uh, Agreed. Like, he's number one guard, and Kyrie Irving, having played 11 games, gets more votes than Kemba Walker. The fans are idiots. The fans are the same people who voted Dwayne Wade in the All-Star game year after year after year. Dwayne Wade was an All-Star for many of those years. but like Dwayne Wade was a legend. Don't, don't compare Not him like the trade. last two years. Okay, anyway. Dwayne Wade is getting a three-day jersey celebration after having an entire tour of jersey celebrations. He has a three-day jersey celebration in Miami in February. It's insane. See, I, I'm cool with it. If you've got a legend, a Hall of Famer, celebrate him. That, they that, did for an entire season. They took him on tour. It was a jersey exchange party, but we've gone far off course. Anyway, it was it was a back and forth battle, and so if ever Smart was going to step over a man, just to be disrespectful, it would have if, been. If a DeAndre Bembry's on the ground there, he probably uh, avoids him. It would have been a moment like that, and. That's all I'll say on that matter. But all right. It was, it was, and Tice's defense was fantastic. How many big men, how many starting centers, how many centers, period, can move with Trey Young? And Trey was trying to shake and bake and get his shot off. And also, the awareness just be like, I will not let a three point shot happen. And But he also didn't foul. Like, you see a lot of big men in that situation can be just like pump faked into fouling. And then that's the worst thing you want, putting Trey Young at the line. But he was new that just like giving up a layup was fine. It was perfect defense. Perfect defense by Z. Jermont. All right, last thing before we get to the Catan table. Your best friend is in town uh, in that Hawks game. Our collective best friend, uh, DNP, but still a legend, Evan Turner, had about 25-minute media sesh uh, in the Hawks locker room. Uh, I did not stay for all of it because uh, it was uh, – wasn't recording and just felt weird watching, but uh, you were there. You talked to the GOAT. Uh, I heard him say that Brad Stevens doesn't kiss and tell, which was just a money quote, but he had many money quotes. Uh, I'd just like to give you the table to kind of talk about Evan Turner, the logo, the ET, and your experience uh, seeing him back in Boston. It's always a treat to see Evan Turner. Man's got stories for days. He, <laughs> he kind of let it slip in the middle of his interview that he just been named inactive and they told him they were going to play the young guys the best part was during the middle of his interview he was talking about how the Hawks had decided to go in a different direction and decided to go with the young guys who you know need to develop and all that and Cam Reddish came over to say what's up 
And he says hi, and then he says, yeah, that's one of the reasons. <laughs> and, and if anybody else had said it, it would have sounded like just a jackass thing to say. But it was just Evan Turner, and he was being funny. And Evan Turner, it's just a great approach to it. He's like, yeah, making like, what, $12 million a year? I'm just going to get fat and happy on the bench. And fat and like, happy and rich. That's fantastic. Like, a lot of people would be, like, very sour. I'm sure he wants to play. He, like, didn't seem like he was, like thrilled to be talking about his benching and I'm sure he like you're a competitive guy you want to be playing but he's always had like just a good approach and great things to say so I don't know it was it's always fun to see him back in town I can he like not be traded to a contender like how much I don't understand I feel like he's an effective guy coming off the bench ball handler in much the role that kind of like he played in Boston that Brad Stevens used him in I don't know if he's in the best basketball shape right now I mean he hasn't played in a, a while he was dealing with some injuries. If he can play at the level he did in the past, then yeah, he, he can probably help some team. Are the Celtics that team? I don't think oh, so. Oh, definitely not for the Celtics. They need shooting, and he's they, a 15% three-point shooter. Lethal. <laughs> lethal. Lethal, though. He and Grant Williams would be exactly. two lethal 15% three-point shooters. All right. That's going to wrap up the the talk before we get to – no, we're here now. What do you mean before we get to? It's the, uh, the Grant Williams Settlers of Catan table each week. We pick four guys to play Settlers of Catan at Grant Williams' uh, majestic table. These are the four guys who just deserve recognition. They they either exceeded expectations or did exactly what we what we expected of them. Uh, There's the four best guys. So I don't know. This week is, is kind of struggle city. No one had like a, a super standout performance. I'm going to give Tice for the game saving block. I would agree. Danny Two Blocks has been very consistent. Uh, and just solid defender for this entire period. And if you have a game-saving block, that, that gets you at the table. Yep. We're going to go with Danny, Danny game-saving block. Say the name. Um, who else? Because like, if you think about it, against the Hawks, no one really had a great performance. Against the Bulls, I think Tatum and Hayward had pretty decent games. Against the Wizards, no one was good. I think Traymond I mean, Waters... Tatum had 28 on 12 of 15 shooting against the Bulls. I would say he was... Better than pretty good in that game. All but right. he was also worse than pretty good in the game against the Hawks yes. when he missed every, at least every layup. What was he? He was like, what, 2 of 11 at the rim alone? I think he like bounced back with some nice like plays against uh, the Wizards, but does the 2 for 11 at the rim performance against the Hawks get him out of the table or did he save himself with the Bulls? Considering we don't have a lot of more nominations, I feel like he's the the performance against the Bulls has to put him there. I'm going to go with somebody else. Let's hear it. I'm going with Cantor. Ooh. I'm going with Cantor. He's been a double-double machine lately. I know Ish Smith took advantage of him a couple times, but Ish Smith was taking advantage of everybody. Ennis Cantor has quietly been pretty good for the Celtics. And in a week that didn't bring a lot more. There's no star good. performances. There was nobody who just exceeded expectations. I think Cantor belongs at the table. All right, so right now we have three guys. We have Tice, Cantor, and Tatum. Tremont had some nice moments against the Wizards. Uh, we talked about him being funny, so that's like helpful. Uh, Jalen Brown really struggled. We talked about his kind of inefficient game against the Wizards. I don't think he was uh, amazing. Marcus Smart, he had some struggles, but he did return, and it continues to do cool Marcus Smart stuff, like diving out of bounds for 
saves, and he had yeah, it was a fantastic, an save. amazing like backwards outlet pass to Hayward against the Wizards that just made like. And Jalen's had some very cool moments, but has been inconsistent. Who's your Who's your pick for that last spot, or is there anyone else? Grant uh, had did some post moves, which I didn't know he was uh, capable of, but otherwise, I don't think he was a standout. Javante Duncan is kind of kind of common at these days. I don't know. I'm lost for words here. It was not the not the strongest individual performance. It, it wasn't. It really, really, really wasn't. Jalen had one great game, and the game against the Wizards might have been his worst game all season. He had Tatum had one great game against Chicago. The game against Atlanta might have been his worst game of the season. Hayward is just normally pretty solid, but he also had a rough game against the the Wizards. That Wizards game just kind of ruined everything for the week. Jalen Brown, I think, would have easily been on the table. Yeah, left a real stink in the yeah punch bowl, if that's a term. Yeah. Can, how about, can we... You can play Catan with only three people. You don't need four. I'm going to throw... This is this is going to be a veteran trick right here. I am going to throw a moment rather than Ooh. a player. Ooh. We've never had Changing this the before. rules. I like it. I'm We've all for it. We've never had this before. I'm going to throw... The moment where Brad Stevens was just furious about a call on the sideline. And you could hear him say bullshit through the telecast on NBC Sports Boston. And then Isaiah started chirping. And Brad went from like fuming, mad Brad, to the biggest smile. The immediate smile. The just being like shoving that guy. Huge smile. And it was just a moment. It was, it was a great moment. And then Smart kind of wrapped up Isaiah and walked away. And it was just a beautiful moment between three guys who went through a lot together and and won a lot together and exceeded expectations together. And I, I enjoyed that moment quite a bit. You know what? I also enjoyed that moment, and I like just making up the rules as we go along. Yeah, it feels was... like that's what we do constantly. <laughs> that is uh, not something we'll probably do a lot. Not a play that we'll turn to... Very but if awesome. we need to, it's in our bag now. Now we're, I didn't know we could do that, but now I know, and I feel like I like that. So that's going to wrap it up from us. Tice, Cantor, Tatum, and a beautiful moment between Brad Stevens, Isaiah Thomas, and Marcus Smart. We'll be playing Settlers of Catan at Grant Williams' table. Uh, that's going to uh, do it from here, coming live from Jay's living room on Anything is Potable podcast. If you've enjoyed, please subscribe. Uh, rate us five stars on iTunes. I know every single person who does a podcast says that, but like it's pretty important and helpful, helpful for us. Tell a friend. You know, word word to mouth is good way to a word of mouth. Word of mouth. Word to mouth. Any combination of word and mouth. Word together. to ear. Word to ear. Our voices to your ears. Anything uh, works. Subscribe to the Athletic. TheAthletic.com slash anything is potable. You can read Jay's work there. You can listen to all of our bonus pods. And thank you for listening. Uh, this has been another episode of Anything is Potable.